Welcome to The Top, the podcast that provides you with what you need to succeed in the real estate world. Brought to you by the Collin County Association of Realtors. Get ready to tackle top real estate topics in bite-sized amounts with CCAR President Ron Leach and Jonna Fernandez, CCAR Chief Operating Officer. Hi, Jonna. Welcome to the top. It's great to be here. It really is. We have a full house today. We do. Today, we're joined by Melissa Haley and Brad Benet. Both are outstanding real estate agents who have gotten a lot of homes under contract this past year when it's been really difficult to do so. And that is exactly why they're here. We invited them to discuss some of the features of what they consider a solid offer and what they are doing to get their offers accepted. Good morning, uh, Melissa and Brad. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Uh, we are doing great here this morning, and thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to uh, talk to us today about real estate, uh, real estate offers, and real estate contracts. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing all everybody has to say. Okay, Melissa, Brad, do you mind me asking what kind of volume that you've sold in the past 12 months? Uh, Melissa, let's start with you. Uh, Sure. So in 2020, you know, in the height of when the pandemic was going on, we were around $12 million in volume. And that was down a little bit from where we'd been in past years. This year, we're already significantly higher than that. So moving right along this year, even though last year, you know, was a little wonky with the pandemic. Yeah, we're at, uh, for the last 12 months, with. $32,156,848. Wow. Yes. Is that of this morning? Uh, As of yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's the last 12 months, you know, so. Great. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Is that more or less than what you would expect for a 12-month period? So, for my, um, for last year, it was less than we expected, even though with the pandemic, the business was busy. There was a lot going on. Um, but it wasn't the same as we had seen consistency over, gosh, the last 10 or 15 years. Um, this year, as we're moving in, because you're kind of looking at the last 12 months, right? And we're pretty far through this year. Uh, this year, it's been a lot more difficult. We've sold more stuff, but it's been a whole lot more difficult for my agents and for me to get buyers under contract this year, for sure. We're doing our job over and over and over and over again before we actually realize a paycheck on it. Yeah. Okay, so this might be a little bit of a long answer, but the uh, end of the day, I just want to give some context to it. So, uh, you know, me and my wife, who own the real estate team, we were in the business during 2008 and saw what happened when when that happened. You know, when when the real estate market collapsed, and so we were um, coming back from a cruise when all of a sudden, when this whole thing uh, came together, and um, you know, we see everything in the news, and we thought, oh my gosh, this here we go, 2008 again. So put the pedal to the metal. So as soon as we saw that was going on, we put everything we had on hold and focused on production. And so uh, 2020 was a great year for us. I mean, matter of fact, it's been such a great year. We, you know, you know, we uh, um, were a little bit blown away how good of a year that was with uh, the challenges we had last year. And 2021 has been an amazing year as well. I think, uh, you know, some of us have been taking a little bit more of a break on it. We were tracking about 40 to 50 million. Now we're probably going to close out at probably about 35. Maybe if we get lucky, we'll hit 40 million this year. So it's not quite where we were tracking, but I I think the uh, third uh, going into the fourth quarter um, was a little slower than we had um, thought, and not necessarily because of the market, just because of effort. So. 
What you guys sounds like have done some exceptional work, uh, not only over uh, this past year, but uh, this year as well. And that's why, you know, you're the perfect guest to discuss a, a winning offer. You know, um, I think we've all experienced uh, as real estate agents out there in today's environment that uh, to Melissa's point, we seem to be working twice as hard uh, and getting uh, to the to the closing table. You know, because of multiple offers and percentages over asking price and and just the, um, you know, the context of, you know, the real estate market right now. What how do you write that when Brad will start off with you? But what are your suggestions in in writing up a, a winning offer? You know. At the end of the day, this is a relationship business. So one of my goals in the transaction is get on the phone with the other agent and ask what the seller's needs are. And then, you know, I interpret what they say to me from there on how I present the offer. You know, of course, expectations with the buyer are extremely important. You know, a lot of times they uh, have a hard time believing that they have to go this much over list in the market we're in until they've lost their house that they love, which is always a challenge because once they've found a home that they love, the second one generally does not you know, compared to the first one. So um, that being said, um, I set proper expectations with the with the clients up front, uh, while not scaring the heck out of them. Uh, and the other side of it is is uh, is uh, a discussion with the uh, listing agent what the wants and needs of the seller are. And then you know I uh, will go back and do research on things like um, the um, percent of sale over list in the neighborhood. I'll look at the uh, competition on the market. I can also you. Uh, showing time will show you how many showings they've had on the property. So you can get a little bit of detailed intel in the background. If you dig a little bit and ask the right questions, um, you know, at the end of the day though, it, it, it you just never know if somebody's going to come in with something just so crazy that I, at, I just don't want to sell my clients something two years from now, they call me and they don't want it's, it's not going to be a profitable exactly. venture. So, you know, sometimes they miss a deal and sometimes that's okay because you know, it may not have been the, the best thing in their interest for the long term. Yeah. Melissa, what about yourself? You know, I, I agree with a couple of things that Brad said that I want to actually reiterate again because they were good, right? Um, number one, man, we started going back and looking at what other houses in the market, what they sold for. Did they sell for 3% over? Did they sell for 6% over? Whatever they sold for, we were like, all right, well, that's our starting spot because the market is continuing to climb. So if if everything's been selling for 3% over, we're going to need to come in at 4% over, for example, right? So looking back at the historical data um, to be able to determine what our client's offer needed to be, I think that was a super good point. Um, the other thing that I would say that he mentioned that I think is super important is communication. Gosh, y'all, I know when you're a listing agent and you're getting phone calls up one side and down the other from every buyer's agent, but that that's your job job is to answer the phone and talk to the other agents. Um, and, and I like what you said, Brad, about asking the right questions. <laughs> because as a listing agent, what is not a good question to receive, and you would probably agree with this, is, um, so what does the seller want? Okay, that's not a good question. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, they want the most money in the shortest time frame. Like, <laughs> don't ask me that question. Um, come in and 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 try to try to figure out what works for your client that might be special or unique. That would the seller be interested in this? And maybe even throw an option on the table or something. Right. Be more thoughtful in your conversations. But definitely the communications piece is important. Um, and the other thing 
and, and I think Brad also kind of touched on this a little bit is, is pre-qualifying your buyers, right? Having a good conversation with them, making sure that they understand what they're going to need to do um, and what the market's really like. But the other thing that we started talking about at my office was, you know, for the longest time in real estate, if a buyer raised their hand and said, I want to buy a house, we would say, go get pre-approved for a mortgage, right? That was the, that was the stop. If you couldn't get pre-approved for a mortgage, you weren't going to go shopping. But in 2021, especially in the spring and the summer months when it was so crazy out there, uh, we were telling our agents, you need to get them pre, pre-approved. That's your first step. But then you need to pre-qualify them again on the back end and say, okay, now that we know how much money you're comfortable with, let's talk about what the market is doing and are you going to be comfortable making offers at this point? Because if they didn't want to make offers, even if they qualified, but they just couldn't wrap their head around, why do, why do I have to spend so much, you know, to what you had said, not a good buyer. They're not ready yet to play in this market, right? So it was really qualifying them twice, once with the lender and once with our agents to make sure, hey, this is what this is what you're going to come up against if you're going to go shopping in today. Great, great information. What would you say to an agent who has been writing offers and losing out consistently? Uh, Melissa, we'll start with you. Man, that requalifying. I think that's one of them. I think, it, I mean, a lot of it's the same stuff we were just talking about. Also, I think um, if they're writing offers and they're losing out consistently, it, first of all, is the buyer willing to play? That That's the first thing, requalifying them. Secondly, looking at the numbers, are you preparing the right kind of offer that you're going to need in order to get to the get the acceptance and get to the closing table. And then um, I also think with regards to buyers that are losing out consistently, making sure that the agents are getting properly trained on their contracts, because at the end of the day, if they don't understand all the terms of the contract and how to use that to best benefit their client, whichever side of the deal they're on, right? Um, Because if you're the seller, you want less option days. If you're the buyer, you want more option days, right? With the right to terminate. Um, But understanding that contract, I think, is so huge that the buyer can't do it by themselves. They need a good realtor that understands what's going on and that understands the market and the contracts. I think that's huge. Yeah, you really struck a nerve on the understanding the contract. I cannot believe how often I get contracts that has box not checked, all these things. And at the end of the day, and I'm going to go back to to kind of the basic question, but I got a really good point with this is um, part of winning the contract, at least in my opinion, as a listing agent, when I'm a listing agent, is I'm looking for a smooth, easy transaction that's everybody's going to walk away and, and wouldn't smile and have a a great experience. When I see contracts come in that are poorly written, um, it's a red flag to me. So I not saying that I, uh, um, you know, wouldn't go with a higher offer, but at the end of the day, that is a, if all things equal, and I got one agents writing terrible offers, not properly, uh, uh written with missing check boxes and, and all kinds of stuff. I'm going to recommend my client to go with the agent that looks like it's going to give us a smoother transaction. So, you know, I feel like that's a huge part of it. So, you know, that is, um, that is part of winning it. But at the end of the day, you know, we don't make the decisions. Our clients make the decisions. So the um, most important thing is, is as a buyer's agent, you need to set the expectations and give them realistic numbers. And a lot of people are scared to say what the truth is. The truth is you need to make an offer that if you m- – you are willing to walk away from this home if you spend a penny more for this house. That is the number. And then I go and try and interpret if I can get it for less for you. But at the end of the day, you need to put your best 
foot forward on the very first offer because you really have one shot in a market like this. And that, that is just the, the key here is expectation setting with making your best foot forward. One of the things that I stress to the sellers um, when I'm on the uh, listing side is it's not all about the price. Yeah. You know, there's so many terms of the contract um, that can um, you know, be to your benefit, i.e. title policy, home warranties, surveys, seller's disclosures. Uh, again, we go back to that, how smooth can this transaction be? But it's not always about the best price. Or will the will it even complete in the first place? Exactly. You know, one of the problems for a seller, and I know we're talking about buyers, but the biggest problems and something to keep in mind is there's a twenty to twenty five percent back out right now. So people homes coming back on the market. So whenever a home sells, the first time is going to be the most amount of money that the seller is going to get for their home. The second round of going back on the market, they'll never get. I mean pretty much never get what they were going to get on the first round. So the for me, when I'm looking as a listing agent, I do primarily listings. I do work with buyers as well, but I primarily do listings. I'm looking for, of course, the highest and best, but I'm also looking for, is it going to go through? Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't go through, nobody wins in that scenario. You know what? I agree too. I just want to mention one other thing. I think that um, as you're moving forward with your buyer, and not making their highest and their best offer from the get-go. No no, no listing agent is calling for highest and best. No listing agent is saying, hey, the deadline is now going to be this date because now we have multiple offers. It's expected at the time that that house goes on the market that it will receive multiple offers. And if you're working with buyers, you can't just come in low to start with and take that chance because you're not going to get that second round opportunity to increase your um, offer like you used to. Are buyers having to give up a lot to get their offers accepted right now? Do they have any negotiating power in this type of climate? Uh, Brad, we'll start off with you on that. Well, you know, we, uh, I had a buyer I was working with last weekend and, um, crazy enough, the, uh, we ended up winning the deal, but we lost it originally because the first offer didn't have an option period. I guess as right before they were terminated, like they, the listing agent told us that we were going to um, um, not going to win the, the offer. And the night, the next morning, she texted me saying, hey, they, uh, they ended up not relocating here. So if you guys are interested, we can go on to with your offer. Um, the no option period is something I'm seeing more commonly. I've actually sold two houses recently, uh, listings that had no option. And um, it's... Um, for me, it's very dangerous. I don't really recommend that to a buyer. I, but it is uh, something I'm starting to see a lot more commonly. And um, I would say that what I would do, and this is what I recommend my buyers, is not go with a um, something you would say is a traditional option fee. Um, put some real teeth into it. You know, now a lot of times we, and for years we saw hundred dollars for ten days. I, I'm, I quit allowing that on my listings. I, a minimum of $250 option fee. And the way I see it is, is $100. I can go spend that on dinner tonight and not really think about it. But I spend $250. I start thinking about it. But what I'm saying now to my buyers is, is $500, even 1000 or more in option fee because there's teeth to it. And it gives us a little bit of a leg to uh, compete with the people who are going out there and throwing out crazy things like no option fee. So I think that higher option fees are definitely something that I'm starting to recommend more. And I think, of course, I really want seven day, um, you know, 
period. But, you know, I am also seeing five as well. So those are those are the points where I think that, um, you know, minor areas that would give you a leg up to be able to win the situation, if that's answered the question. Yeah. So a couple of other things that I would add to that, because I think the whole question was, do, do buyers have to give up a lot? And and yeah, uh, giving up an option period. I'm with you, Brad. I'm not telling my buyers buy it without a right to terminate, right? They need to have some kind of uh, opportunity there to change their mind. But I also think that um, as a buyer and as an agent working with buyers, being very careful to not throw two or three or four offers up, right? Because then you're going to want to keep that option fee low. If you really mean it, and this is the house, make the one offer, put in the good option money, put in a good earnest money too. For crying out loud, if you're putting $20,000 down, make your earnest money $15,000. Make it a lot, make it 20. Make your option, uh, your option count, but make your earnest money count too. But I think that what's happening is that buyers are nervous that they're because to your point about um, buyers are backing out, sellers are going back on the market. It's because buyers are getting nervous and they're like, well, I'll just make an offer on this house and this house and this house. And I'll walk away from my hundred dollars. I'll walk away from my $250 if I get the better house. And it's bad for the whole market, in my opinion, because you're right. Sellers can't get top dollar. Um, buyers are at potential risk if their realtor doesn't know what's happening and doesn't and is not educated. That's a very, very scary place to put your client is to be under contract for two houses. Um, and in that same thought process, knowing that that's happening a little bit in our market, I think it's good for buyers to make backup offers. Boy, if you don't win it the first time, make a backup offer, go back in. Again, realtors need to understand the contracts, right? And understand you don't want to put you know, $20,000 earnest money. You don't want to put a $1,000 option fee if you're a backup contract. That's a bad idea. Um, but understanding those contracts and writing it up as a backup, I think is a good option for a buyer in this market because they might just slide right in and then the house doesn't ever go back on the market. You don't have to compete again. And I'll even tell you, we, we, were, we were preaching that back in March and April and we had a lady that made an offer, didn't get it. We said we should make a backup offer and she didn't want to. So she just kept shopping. And about three days later, the house came back on the market and she made another offer better than her first offer and she didn't get it. <laughs> and we were like, oh, I mean, heartbreak twice on the same house with the same client. And so make the backup offer up front. Um, but I, I do think buyers are giving up a lot. I think they're giving up their, their uh, higher earnest money less option days. I think they're giving up their home warranties. I think they're offering to pay for, you know, title policies, all of those things that that's just going to cost them more money in obtaining that house for sure. Let me ask you a question. One of the, one of the uh, questions that I get probably more than any other is Ron, what do you see the market doing in, in the next couple of years? Um, is it going to get any better for buyers? I mean, Brad, what do you think? You know, that's a tough ball with a tough question without a crystal ball. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I've seen the ups and downs. I've been doing this for 27 years. I've seen the ups and downs of the markets. And, you know, it's it's just the nature of the beast. We are going to have cyclical. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. We're going to see that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think Dallas may not see it to the level. I think other parts of the the country will is is kind of an educated guess here is that there. I think we were will continue to be. desired area to move to, you know, cost of living, the job opportunities, all that are going to keep continuing to drive, at least for the next few years, in my opinion. I, um, 
Uh, only thing that I think could really throw in us a, a kink in this thing is a, a major black swan event that would cause the whole everything to go sideways on us. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm optimistic for the future. Maybe not. Uh, you know, it's crazy. And I hadn't ran the stats for the last uh, quarter. But, I mean, the first quarter we had 18% appreciation. I mean, where are we at for the year? Does anybody know what the appreciation? We're probably, what, 20%, 30% appreciation for the year? Uh, I, I thought it was about 17 to 20% right now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, um, with this numbers, I don't think that's sustainable. I think we might start seeing back to kind of a normal you know, the, the two to three, maybe 4% is what the, this kind of the normal appreciation is for the DFW area. I mean, I think we're going to continue for the next year, maybe see like six or seven and then, you know, and maybe it'll flatten out a little bit, but I don't foresee anything going set, you know, South from there. Yeah. So in my opinion, and so Melissa, when, when you have a buyer that says, Hey, you know what, you know, how, how much longer do you see this going on? Right. And I love it that you mentioned the crystal ball because I literally always tell people my realtor crystal ball broke a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, I even have a little realtor crystal ball at my desk that has a giant crack in it for this exact purpose. Um, because it's true. We, we don't know what the market's going to do. But, you know, we what I would recommend is if, if you're an agent, stay educated, right? Listen to the economist, check out what Lawrence Yoon is saying with NAR, um, check out some stats and some data from Texas A&M uh, real estate center, right? They have lots of good people that are crunching these numbers. And to your point um, that Brad just made, um, you know, we, we have seen explosive growth, not just a little bit of growth, explosive growth for the last couple of years and price appreciation. And, Again, unless there's some kind of major something, like he said, black swan. I like that. Your black swan event. Um, unless something major happens, there's no indication currently that we're going to take a nosedive, right? Um, could it be that at some point we start to flatten out? Yes. And would that be appreciated by all? Probably so. It'd be really good to just take a breather for a minute, right? We've been going up, going up, going up, going up. If we could just, just level out a little, I think that would be... I think that'd be good for sellers because then more sellers would feel comfortable putting their house on the market. I think it'd be good for buyers. They wouldn't be panic buying. I think it'd be good for realtors because we wouldn't have to do our job 16 times before we made it to the closing table. Um, so yeah, I mean, I hope it levels off some, maybe not, you know, dipping down. I certainly, I, I was, I was with you, Brad in 2008, man, it was, it was not a pretty sight, right? But I'll tell you that Yes, it was involving the mortgage companies and all of those kinds of things, but the economy as a whole was in the toilet back then. And if the economy doesn't stay on track and people start to, you know, be in a situation where they can't afford to keep their house, thank goodness we've got people who've been there long enough that they've had some appreciation, but the people that bought a house yesterday, they're, that, that's not going to be a good day for them if we, go, if we do turn the corner and go another direction for sure. Can I speak to what this one second? You said something that's kind of interesting is um, something I'm noticing, and I'm not sure if you guys are noticing, but the down payments that our clients are are coming up with today. I mean, in 2006, I was selling 0% down, you know, now it's like 20% plus, you know, they're, they're putting down substantial amount, more amount of money. So that's also one of the things that gives me a little bit of an ease into this market is I feel like the, the, we're not just sneaking in with a bare minimum on these down payments. Uh, people are really putting significant chunks of money down. So they do have that cushion for if something turned, not that I believe it's going to, but I'm just saying that there's a big difference between that in 2008 in the way that the, it ties to the economy, cash on hand and all that kind of stuff. 
Do you think the pandemic and the resulting demand has led to any permanent changes in writing offers? I don't believe there's anything permanent. I, I think that this is, it's just, you got to roll with what the, uh, what, what's the right way to make something happen or make a deal happen at, you know, in the market you're in and things can be very different from a, in a market, a seller's market to a buyer's market. So, um, I, if I could ask for something to be permanent, I'd ask for higher option fees, but you know, I mean, that's, um, that, that's just my opinion. I agree. I think that the contract, again, it depends on who you represent, right? If you represent the seller, you're looking for, uh, you know, less time where the buyer has rights to terminate. You're looking for more money, right? But if you're the buyer, you're looking for more time with rights to terminate and less money. And I do think as the market ever shifts, you know, and it does, right? It goes from buyer's market to seller's market to more of an even market to buyer's market to seller's market to more. It's just, it's a roller coaster. And as those things change, I do think people will start adjusting the way that they're writing contracts. I don't think it's permanent. Um, But what I do kind of like that I I think might be a little bit more permanent and kind of back to what Brad just said about the difference between 2008 and today is that people aren't coming in with the minimum down. I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing really high down payment amounts. And I think that that's good. And I'm hoping and hopeful that that might be more permanent because we learned our lesson in 2006 and seven and eight and all, all of that, when things started to crumble and people were so upside down, I do think that we learned from that. And hopefully that that would be something that people would consider is I'm still going to invest in my real estate, in my home, in the house that I'm going to live in and I'm going to put that money down. But, you know, is anything permanent? No, I just, that, that would be my hope is down payments. Thing, one of the opportunities that I have uh, as president is to welcome new agents in the orientation um, a couple times a month. And I'm just seeing so many new agents come into the market right now. And uh, one of the um, uh, pieces of advice that I get uh, give to the new agents is become very familiar with the contract. Uh, there are so, you know, especially with all the changes that we've had, you know, the pandemic and you know, social media, and you hear lots of stuff out there about, you know, homes, selling of homes, buying of homes. Uh, but, you know, it all comes back to the contract and to become very, very familiar with that contract. And because uh, to your point, Brad, I think you brought it up earlier is that, you know, when uh, when you're a seller's agent, you're looking at all these contracts coming in and some of them are filled out correctly. Some of them aren't. And so, uh, you know, education is, is key in this business. What else? Contracts have changed twice this year, y'all. We got new contracts in April, and then we got another revision in September. You can't just be in the business and think you know what you're doing. You actually do have to do continuing education. You got to be a lifelong learner to be a good realtor. And I think that's important, too, because I think some people are like, "Ah, I've been writing contracts for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. Mm, Yeah, contract changed twice just this year in Texas. So I think that's an important point. And keep in mind, we're you know, doing these contracts that are, you know, commit our clients to hundreds, if not millions of dollars. I mean, that's a huge responsibility. So you really need to know what you're doing when that, when, uh, so owning a team, we do have new agents come on our team and day one, I'm having them write contracts for me until they can write it in a way that would be acceptable. And so I just have to keep having them write it and write it and write it just to make sure that they get this. Cause I believe of all the real estate classes you take, a lot of it's about not being sued and or how to not be sued. Uh, I think the most important class you're going to take in real estate is the contracts. Yeah. 
have uh, talked about uh, a lot of different subjects when it comes to, uh, you know, writing a best offer. And I can't think of two better individuals, uh, realtors that, uh, you know, know the business better than you two. So we really appreciate you being here and talking uh, with us this morning about this subject. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Ron. It's been honored. Very much. For those listening, thanks for hanging out with us. And don't forget to subscribe to Welcome to the Top wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. If you have a question or topic you want us to discuss, we want to hear it. Email us at ask at welcometothetop.com and listen to hear it covered. Can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening and be sure to ask me why I vote Act Invest. Special thanks to our host, Jonna Fernandez and Ron Leach. Producer, Bree Westbury. Outreach and Guest Relations Manager, Kendall Crawford. And Podcast Administrator, Sean Offsall. Tune in next time and don't forget to enjoy your journey to the top. The statements by speakers in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views or position of the Collin County Association of Realtors, its leadership, or its members. This podcast is not intended to give legal, financial, medical, or other advice, but simply to provide information as a springboard to further discussion and investigation.